0: been doing these weekly Bible prophecy updates for many years now and second service is the sermon verse by verse teaching and we will complete uh, second Peter verses uh, 16 through 18 in chapter 3 and we're going to look at what it is that we as Christians can do as we see everything in the world today getting worse and worse seemingly with each passing day it's an amazing text and course you know we're all prone to rush through the beginning of a letter and the end of a letter we just kind of see it as a formality but that is not the case It is so applicable and so practical and really looking forward to what the Lord has for a second service that'll be live streamed 11:15 15 a.m. Hawaii time for those of you online and those of you that are joining us by way of YouTube or Facebook we'd encourage you to go directly to the website jdforog.org. There you will find the uncensored, uninterrupted entirety of today's update. So with that, let's get to it. I need to talk with you (laughs) about how the time has come for us as Christians to stop beating around the bush. And by beating around the bush, I mean not saying what has to be said. AND INSTEAD SAYING WHAT PEOPLE WANT SAID SO AS TO AVOID THE UNPOPULAR AND UNCOMFORTABLE TRUTH. WHY? WELL, ONE REASON IS BECAUSE OF THE FEAR OF MAN. AND THE FEAR OF MAN IS A TRAP. BY VIRTUE OF THE FACT THAT WE COWER IN FEAR SUCH THAT WE'RE AFRAID OF PEOPLE'S REACTION. HOW ARE THEY GOING TO RESPOND? So we tone it down. We kind of, you know, bring it back, dial it back, and, and uh, soften it up, and you know, just take the edge off it. And you know, no. Maybe there was a time not too long ago where we lived in a world that was forgiving of that, but we don't live in that world today. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. The fear of man is a snare, as some translations render it. But trusting the Lord means safety. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, Paul writing to the churches in the area of Galatia, asks and answers this rhetorical question. Listen, am I now trying to win the approval of men, or of God? Or am I trying to please men? Again, rhetorical question, and now he's going to answer it. He says, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, it's either one or the other. If I'm a man pleaser, I'm not a God pleaser. And conversely, if I'm a God pleaser, I'm not a man pleaser. Jeremiah, we uh, finished recently the book of Jeremiah and then subsequently the book of Lamentations, started Ezekiel last week. Oh, man. Great book. (laughs) Favorite book with all the other favorite books of the Bible. But Jeremiah in particular, when he's called in chapter one, I want to draw your attention to verse eight and verse 17. Here's verse eight. God, when he calls, Jeremiah says, Do not be afraid of their faces, interesting, when they give you stink eye. Because they're going to give you stink eye. They're going to give you that look like, you know, the how do I describe this, that that look of shock. You know, the eyes are and the jaw drop. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. Uh, Don't be afraid of their reaction, Jeremiah. Don't be afraid of their response, Jeremiah because this is what they're going to do in response to your message. Your message is going to be so unpopular and they're going to hate you and you're going to know it. So do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now when you get to verse 17, he takes it further and he says to Jeremiah, get yourself ready, stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, the words that I put in your mouth to speak, you're going to speak them. Or I will terrify you before them. Do not be terrified by them. In other words, Jeremiah, if if you don't do it under the banner of being afraid of them, in fear of them. Terrified by them, I will terrify you before them. You do not fear them. You fear me. You don't dance to the beat of their drum. You dance to the beat of my drum. You have an audience of one, Jeremiah, and you're going to be faithful to speak all that I command you to speak. And did Jeremiah do that? Absolutely. He did that for 40 plus years another reason in addition to the fear of man that some people beat around the bush is because they don't want to be the only one standing alone and to stand alone would mean that you wouldn't be going along with the crowd by caving in and acquiescing to the pressure of peers because. It's so intense, that pressure to conform and comply and go along to get along, especially when everybody else is kind of toeing the line. And there you are going, wait, two plus two does not equal five. And and you're the only one that, that still believes two plus two still equals four. Now what are you going to do? when they ask you to raise your hand. Two plus two equals five. Everybody's hand goes up. You're going, no, that's wrong. That's not true. Okay, how many of you still believe that two plus two equals four? (laughs) Okay, good. Then your hand goes up. Okay, come on. That's not fair. You guys already know the answer to this test. But you're the only one whose hand goes up you're going against the crowd. You're going against the narrative. I hope you don't mind, but, and we've talked about this guy before in previous updates. I want to draw your attention to him once again. Um, He's kind of this not very well known prophet, Micaiah. And he is to me the standard, the example, the inspiration when it comes to being the only one who was willing to stand alone. I would put him right up there with the prophet Jeremiah, who stood alone against all these false prophets. So here's this Micaiah, and he's up against 400 false prophets of Ahab. I'm so fond of this prophet because he feared not man, rather he feared only God. And he had the audacity to go against the narrative, what all of these false prophets were saying, which was what Ahab wanted them to say and was paying them to say. But not Micaiah. He dared to go up against them and speak the truth, and this after he'd already been thrown into prison by King Ahab. Why? Because (laughs) this is the kind of guy that tells it like it is. He doesn't beat around the bush. So as we're about to see, he's brought before King Ahab again, who at this time is deceiving King Jehoshaphat. To get him to go into battle, disguises him so he would get killed instead of him. And Josh Beck goes for it. What well, we're gonna see in, in a moment, I'm kinda of getting ahead of myself. So, this Micaiah who sits in this dungeon of a prison, because Ahab threw him in there for not telling him what he wanted to hear and only telling him what he needed to hear. So now he's going to go up against all these false prophets who were basically falsely prophesying to King Ahab and Jehoshaphat with him that they would be victorious in this battle. So we'll pick it up. Second Chronicles, Chapter 18, beginning in verse 3. So Ahab king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are and my people as your people, we will be with you in war. And then verse four is very interesting. Also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, "Uh, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. This is uh, what's known as praying after you make a decision instead of before. You know how it is? Okay. That's okay. You're more spiritual than I am. I do this all the time you know, you, you you do something, you make a decision and you don't pray about it, you don't seek the Lord about it. And then after you make the decision, there's a check and you're like, uh oh, what, what, what just happened? What did I just commit to? What did I just agree to? This is by the way, why it is that Jehoshaphat is affectionately referred to as jumping Jehoshaphat. He just jumps on board. And, and then he's like, well, maybe we should pray about it. What do you think? Maybe we should inquire of the word of the Lord from the prophets of the Lord. So, verse 5, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, four hundred men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they said, the false prophets, Go up, (laughs) for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But, verse 6, Jehoshaphat said, Um, the Um is not in the original text, He's going, wait a minute, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Translated, what are you paying these guys? They're, you have 400 false prophets, these are yes men that are only telling you what you want to hear. What are they going to? Are they going to tell you the truth? No, because you'll kill them. You'll imprison them and or kill them. So no, they're just going, oh yes, oh, King Ahab, yes, go forth. YOU WILL CONQUER AND BE VICTORIOUS IN BATTLE. And Jehoshaphat, you got to picture the scene. This would have been very interesting, because here's Jehoshaphat going, no, no. Can we get a second opinion from another prophet, because these guys are bought and paid for and they're just going along with the script. So listen to the response from Ahab to Jehoshaphat. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. (laughs) Well, Ahab, that's because you're evil. (laughs) We're told that in the scriptures. He was one of the most evil kings in the history of Israel the northern tribes. So he says, yeah, there is one guy. I hate his guts because he he tells it like it is. And his name is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, come on man, again, not in the original, but let not the king say such things. Then the king of Israel, verse 8, called one of his officers and said, Bring Micaiah the son of Imlah quickly. Let's get this over with to satisfy Jehoshaphat. Now it's important to understand again that Micaiah is in prison for doing the very thing that he's now being brought out of prison to do again. So it's like he's given this second chance. And it's almost like the officers that Ahab sends to get him out, tell him as much. So they go to him and they basically say, hey, Micaiah, you're going to get a second chance. Don't blow it this time. So here's what the prophets are saying. You need to tell Ahab the same thing. (laughs) Really? Uh, what, What are they telling Ahab? Oh, that he's going to be victorious. Well, Micaiah tells them he cannot go against the Word of God. But, they take him anyway to prophesy to King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat. Now it's really interesting, and I would really encourage you in your own time in God's Word to read this account. It's one of the most fascinating accounts in the pages of Holy Writ. Because prior to Micaiah being taken out of his dungeon of a cell to be brought before Ahab and Jehoshaphat, these 400 prophets, I mean, they put on a show, props, everything very dramatic. They acted it out, dramatized it. You're going to be victorious like these horns. You will conquer. And and I mean, what a show. I mean, after all, they're getting paid the big bucks by Ahab to do stuff like that. So Micaiah is apprised of this. So that's, that's what they're telling Ahab. And they did a really, they had a really impressive PowerPoint presentation, just so you know Micaiah. So he's like, okay, whatever. I mean, he already knows he's hated and despised. And he also knows they're not going to listen to him anyway. So he decides to respond with what one has called a sanctified sarcasm. Sanctified. Sarcasm. Sanctified. Did I say sanctified? Yeah. So, verse 14. Then he came to the king and. The king said to him, I could just picture the tone. Oh, I would have loved to have been there. Micaiah. Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? <laughs> and he says, Micaiah, yeah, go ahead. Again, not in the original, but go and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. Can I go now? So, verse 15, the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord. Oh, well, there's an admission right there. I mean, not so surprising that he knows Micaiah's being sarcastic. I mean, he's seen this movie before with Micaiah. I would have loved to have known this guy and his personality. I can't wait to meet him in heaven. But what is a little bit surprising is that Ahab is acknowledging that he does speak the truth in the name of the Lord. That's interesting. So verse 17, <laughs> and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, this is after Micaiah is being sarcastic like that. Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? This is why I hate this guy. This is why I imprison this guy. Then Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You'll forgive my paraphrase. You want the truth? (laughs) Like I said, you'll forgive my paraphrase. You have to. You want the truth, Ahab? I'll give you the truth. I saw the Lord sitting on His throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab king of Israel to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Now this is Micaiah telling this to Ahab. Therefore look Ahab, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets. And I, If, man, if I could have been a fly on a camel to watch this, I picture Micaiah pointing to every single one of them. The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of every single one of these guys. And the Lord has declared disaster against you, and that's the truth. You know what? In the end, Micaiah was right. That's exactly what happened. Ahab was killed in battle, despite Jehoshaphat agreeing to dress up like Ahab. And so when the, the opposing army found Jehoshaphat, thinking it was Ahab, they're getting ready to kill him. And then the guy goes, wait, that's not Ahab. It's not. No, they spared his life. Uh, I think Jehoshaphat started praying before, uh, after that happened, because it almost cost him his life. So they find Ahab, and they kill him, exactly as the prophet Micaiah had spoken and prophesied. Yeah, but come on. That's a message of doom and gloom. It's a a message of disaster. Well, that's what happened, it's the truth. What do you want me to just speak smooth things? Yeah, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies sorry about that. I hope you don't think that about that song. I had a flashback. I'm back now. Pastor, where are you going with this? Here's where I'm going. We desperately need Micaias who won't beat around the bush, that are willing to speak the truth, even though they know they may stand alone. If you'll kindly allow me to I must, like Micaiah, speak that which must be spoken. And in order to do that, we're going to go ahead at this time and end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook and redirect you to the website if you're not already there. All right. Here goes. Netanyahu and Trump are deceivers. Should we bow our heads, close our eyes? You can slip out at this time if you want. Uh, I'm not afraid at how you're, by your faces. I mean, not, nothing against your faces. But if you're going to look at me with that look, like with Jeremiah, I'm not, I have to answer to an audience of one. Uh, they are deceivers and not to be trusted. Now, let me hasten to say, because I know what you're thinking, because I can read minds. In fact, let me just, (laughs) oh, you're so one sided. And I've been accused of so many things, despite both sides being two sides of the same coin as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Well. Did you vote for Biden? No. Uh, are you are you Biden? Are you uh, on the on the left? No. Actually, I don't even know if Biden is actually, and I really mean this. I don't know if he's really human. How are we doing? Are we? Well, you're still here, so. If these actors, and that's what they are, actors following a script are still fully human, then there's still hope for them because they need Jesus. There's still hope if they're still human for their salvation. I hope you don't tire of me saying this, but it matters not whether or not one is a conservative or a liberal, a Republican or a Democrat, a right or on the left. It only matters whether or not one is saved or lost. And I know I've talked about this ad nauseum over the last how many months, even maybe years, but. We are playing into the hand of the enemy, because it's all designed to pit us one against the other. And sadly, (laughs) the world is seemingly standing in line to buy the lie, which Jesus himself warned would be the number one sign of the time of the end. We've talked about this as well. Uh, Perhaps it would be appropriate just parenthetically to, by way of a friendly reminder, tell you that the number one prophecy that would mark the end times, the last days before the rapture of the church is not wars and rumors of wars or earthquakes or famines or pestilence or whatever. The number one sign, wait for it deception. Do not be deceived. The Apostle Paul echoes the Savior throughout his epistles, chief of which is his second letter to the Thessalonians, a passage, a prophecy that we've talked about often in which he prophesies about a powerful delusion, strong deception. You know, I. Uh, in our pastors meeting, I was sharing about how I've always kind of focused in on and emphasized the delusion part of it, the deception part of it, at the expense of the strength of it, how powerful it is. These are powerfully deceived people. And, and it's, it's a very powerful and very strong deception. And just, just try to go up against it. You'll find out in short order how powerful this is. And it's a, it's a deception, for sure. It's a delusion, certainly. But it is a powerful, it's very powerful, very strong so powerful is this delusion and deception that those rejecting the truth will believe the lie Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2:11 Jesus said Matthew 24 that the deception would be so powerful and so strong that he actually would have to shorten the days for the sake of his elect, speaking of Israel, or no flesh would survive. That the deception would be so strong and powerful that it could deceive even the elect of God. People you would never imagine would buy the lie, buy the lie. That's how strong it is. That's how powerful it is. I should probably, I guess this is as good of a time as any, just to be very transparent and open with you. Um, I bought into it. I was deceived. Uh, my eyes are open now, but I was wrong. I was so wrong, I and so deceived. Uh, The year, let me just give you a quick backstory, just for the sake of context. The year was 2020, of course, who could forget, right? And the beginning of the end for me was when the deal of the century was unveiled, January 2020. And I downloaded the PDF. I read all 38 pages of it, combed through it, and I realized, wait a minute, this thing divides Jerusalem. And everybody else was like, oh, this is amazing. Trump moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, actually, technically. Yeah, but Trump's done a lot of really good things, actually, technically. Not really. Uh, It's a deception. (laughs) And so I came out, I'll never forget that update. I thought, man, Lord, just really, you know, yeah, JD slash Jeremiah, you're going to speak the words that I command you to speak. Yeah, but uh, I think I'm the only one that's going to say the truth that this divides Jerusalem and I'm going to get it. Yeah, I know you're going to get it, but I'll deliver you, saith the Lord. (laughs) I got it. I have the scars to prove it. And so, you know, I'm still, this is three years ago. And then what ensued were the Abraham Accords. And that was like the final nail in the coffin as it relates to Israel and the deception. And keep in mind, you had the Trump and Netanyahu team. I want to come back to that. Now, what really did it was when one Donald J. Trump announced Operation Warp Speed. And that was it. That's when my eyes were opened. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But I wanted to give you that context and just very honestly and openly tell you that I was deceived. I have no animosity towards Trump or Netanyahu. Again, if they don't know Jesus and they're still human, there's still hope for them it's not too late. I have no vendetta against anyone. Uh, I have no animosity. I have no hatred. But I have to speak the truth about this deception because it's a deception. What if I told you that Trump's indictment this last week is all part of said deception like with the lying spirits in the mouths of Ahab's false prophets. What if I told you that? It is. It's all part of the textbook plan to again divide and conquer, bringing order out of chaos by creating this powerful delusion that somehow Trump will come back as the savior of America. It's for this reason that it's incumbent upon me to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness as the Apostle Paul exhorts us to in Ephesians 5:11. So that's what we're going to do for the remainder of our time together today. Okay? Don't look at me like that. I'll start with this all Israel news article published on Sunday, March 19th titled Exclusive. Two Knesset members proposed legislation, did you hear about this? To outlaw sharing the gospel in Israel and send violators to prison. Could it be law? Four days later, March 23rd, CBN quoted Netanyahu as saying, quote, No law will pass in Knesset that harms Christianity. Now watch this. This is a deception by way of what's known as the Hegelian dialectic. It's textbook. You create the crisis, control the reaction, then provide and offer the final solution. And such is the case with Netanyahu, who now looks like he's the hero, the savior of Christians, evangelizing in Israel. He is not. Don't buy it. It's a setup. It's like they have a a meeting. Okay, we got to make Netanyahu look good. He's coming under a lot of pressure now with this whole, you know, reform and they're protesting in the streets. And by the way, it's a distraction too. Uh, We don't want you looking at this. So we're going to, okay, this would be a good time to have Trump indicted. So we're all talking about that now and not what we should be talking about now. Same thing in Israel with Netanyahu. So it's a diversion tactic, distraction. And it's, it's, it's (laughs) pre-planned. And so now we we're looking at Netanyahu like, wow, he's pro-Christian. He's not pro-Christian. For me personally, the mask finally came off, pun intended, by the way, (laughs) concerning Netanyahu back in January of this year, at which time I had shared in an update at the time, a Jordan Peterson interview with Benjamin Netanyahu. The damning portion of this interview was edited out and self-centered, censored, (laughs) self-centered, I'm talking about myself, I'm very self-centered, censored, I meant, because of its astounding implications regarding the so-called vaccines. Thankfully, I was able to download the edited portion and convert the speech to text. And I created the following transcript in which Netanyahu admits to the devastating truth that Israel was in effect Pfizer's lab by using their DNA database for the deadly COVID injections. If you'll indulge me, I would like to quote, from the edited portion of this Jordan Peterson interview, quote, Netanyahu. We came out of COVID first. I described that in my book. My conversations with Albert Borla of Pfizer and I persuaded him to give tiny Israel then the necessary vaccines to get us out first from COVID. And the reason I could do that is because we have a database. a medical database, 98% of our population has digitized medical records and a little card. And anywhere you go, in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference. Boom, punch it in and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities. Yeah, right. But statistically, what does it do to people with, you know, meningitis? What does it do to people with high blood pressure? What is it? You know, you want to know that. So Israel became, if you will, the lab for Pfizer. And that's how we did it. We got it out and we gave the information to the world not only and published it in medical magazines and so on. That's our database that we have. I intend to bring on that base, database of medical, personal medical records for the entire population, a genetic database, genomes. Okay, give me a saliva sample, volunteer, but I'm sure most people would do it. Maybe we'll pay them. Now, we have a genetic record on a medical record of a robust population. You have to have diversified populations. We have people from 100 lands. This is a very powerful engine, powerful. (laughs) Now, let pharma companies, let medical companies, let them run algorithms on this database, okay? No, not okay. I'm telling you right away, they'll give preference for a few years to Israeli firms, but you can create and then to the world. But you can create, you know, a biotechnological industry that is unheard of right now, unheard of, unimagined even. And these are just examples. We can become, stave off Iran, become a light unto the nations. It's a false light. It's a false light. Enter one Donald J. Trump, the self-proclaimed father of the vaccine and this series of threads posted by Northwest Rambler using the Thread Reader app which compiles these tweets in Trump's own words what follows are quotes verbatim not in any order of Trump quote I guess in a certain way I'm the father of the vaccine because I was the one that pushed it to get it done in less than 9 months was a miracle April 29th, 2021. I recommend taking the vaccines. I did it. It's good. Take the vaccines. August 21st, 2021. I hope everyone remembers when they're getting the COVID-19 vaccine that if I wasn't president, you wouldn't be getting that beautiful shot for five years at best and probably wouldn't be getting it at all. I hope everyone remembers. Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that was February 28th, 2021. I would recommend it. And I would recommend it to a lot of people that don't want to get it. And a lot of those people voted for me, quite frankly. This is March 16, 2021. Bear with me. Just hear me out, please. I want to, I want to, how do I, I'll I'll pose it in in a form of a, a question. Okay. Do you really believe that when Trump was not quote unquote re-elected, really reselected. And Biden became the president who allegedly stole the election selection. Do you believe that really happened? Or do you believe that that was all part of the plan to get Trump output this whatever he is in? <laughs> That was me, wasn't it? Well, okay, I'm an equal opportunity offender. So there. You feel better now with, uh, I'm tackling both sides of the same coin. So, and then the whole January 6th thing, and then the whole voter fraud, and the voting machines, and then, you know, uh, he's not my president, and Trump won, and on and on and on. That was all planned. Do you believe that? Well, let's continue. Might as well. It gets worse. This is uh, December 17th, 2020. Get those shots, everyone. Uh, February 28th, 2021. Everybody, go get your shot. This is Donald J. Trump. It works incredibly well. 95%, maybe even more than that. And it is really saving our country. And it is saving, frankly, the world. Notice the verbiage: save, savior, saving, March 9th, 2021. Here it is again. This is December 11th, 2020. It will save millions of lives and soon end the pandemic once and for all. These vaccines are also very safe. Hmm. save millions of lives. It's cost millions of lives. Millions of people have died suddenly because of this, because of this. This is December 17, 2020. We're almost done. There's hope. The vaccine and the vaccine rollout are getting the best of reviews. <laughs> moving along really well. Get those shots, everyone. Well, I got the Pfizer and I would have been very happy with any of them. I thought a very bad statement was when they did a pause on Johnson and Johnson. I think that frightened people. (laughs) I'm not going to say it. That was a bad thing to do. At that time when they did the pause, they had six people that may have had some difficulty out of millions that received it. But I think the pause was a very bad thing to do. You remember that? This was October 2nd, 2021. Listen to this one. During my administration, everybody wanted the vaccine. (laughs) Therefore, there was nobody saying, oh, gee, I don't want to take it. Now they say that. And that's because they don't trust the Biden administration come on. Do you see what they're doing? They're playing both sides against the middle. We've talked about that. They want me to hate you because you're a lefty. You're a demon rat. No, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. It doesn't matter. Are you saved or are you lost? You know. whatever. I'm going to just do it. I got nothing to lose, right? I wonder, and I'm going to, I'll couch it in terms of another rhetorical question, if you don't mind. I wonder when we put something in front of Christian, like I'm a conservative Christian. Uh, I'm a Republican Christian. Uh, No. No. Uh, By the way, uh, how's that working out for you? Why don't you ask the Christian school in Nashville, because it was a, quote, transgender Christian. You see what just happened there? No. Be very careful. I I just implore you in love, uh, be very careful, because it is not a Republican gospel. It is not a Fox News gospel. It is not a right, conservative gospel. It's the gospel. Don't attach anything to it, because here's what happens when you do. And it's, it's heartbreaking, actually. When you say, I'm a conservative Christian. Well, here's the mission field right next to you. Uh, they, they are a lefty a left. What, what, what do you guys call them? Not you guys, of course, you guys are great, but other Christians and other churches. They call them the, the leftists, or the, right? Is that it? It's worse than that, but it's the, oh, those, those leftists. The guy's going, you, you talking to me? Yeah, I'm a conservative Christian. Oh how are you going to share Jesus with them now? Because you've just pitted yourself against them now, because now they're the enemy. You see what the enemy's done? Because now the enemy is no longer the enemy. And now people are the enemy, because I guess now we wrestle against flesh and blood, and not principalities and powers of darkness and wickedness in high places. So now I look at them through that lens and I have this hatred in my heart and I could bring up names I won't um maybe I should no I won't <laughs> right okay good we're good <laughs> if I if I mention their names you're going to get stirred up inside I promise you your blood pressure will go up not them. Oh man, you have hook, line, and sinker, I'm sorry to say. It's a deception. Because see, Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. Don't you think Satan knows that? A house divided cannot stand. And so if you divide, then you destroy divide and conquer. So we basically do Satan's dirty work for him instead of him. He just sits back in his recliner. And yes, the devil has a recliner, I guess, and watches the show, pops some popcorn and watches us do his dirty work for him of destroying and devouring each other, because now we're divided. I was really taken back by, I'm not surprised, but uh, maybe a little bit. Nah, I wasn't surprised. Um, I I should say probably concerned is a better word when Trump wanted to rile people up. Get out there and fight and take back your country and wait, Jesus said when he was arrested and about to go to the cross when he was standing before Pilate, who was querying him, genuinely, I believe he was just baffled and he asked Jesus about it. And Jesus' response was, you know, if my kingdom were of this world, my disciples would fight. But the reason they're not fighting, except for Peter in the garden, he's going to cut off Malchus's ear. But besides that, uh, the reason they're not fighting is because my kingdom is not of this world. So we're trying to fight for this. It's the wrong fight. It's the wrong fight. So when you hear Trump say something like they don't trust the Biden administration, it's all part of that deception to get us to hate the other side. He goes on. I'm still quoting Trump. I can think of no other reason, but they say we don't want it. We aren't going to take it. When I was there, everybody wanted it (laughs) and we were doing great. Well, the military did a fantastic job. This was October 7, 2021. That alone. Remember when he announced Operation Warp Speed? You're going to deploy the military to inject people? Really? Uh, and, and I don't know if I remember that when Trump was president, everybody was like, yay, and then Biden becomes president. It's the same thing. D- didn't you, didn't you find that odd? That it, it was, uh, he passed the baton to, to Biden. Okay, your turn now. You're your, your scheduled for this now. So it's your, it's your no, time. Okay, show time. So, okay, give me that thing that you're the father of and I'll carry the baton. We'll keep this thing moving. It, I, that's what I mean by powerful deception, <laughs> delusion. It's, it's just mind boggling to me. Okay, uh, last one a collective sigh of relief. This is August 18th, 2021. I'm very proud of the vaccine. I've taken it. You've probably taken it, but I'm very proud of it. I think we could have had another situation like with the Spanish flu in 1917, where up to 100 million people were killed. Now, for those of you who like me, took the time to research this. You, it was pretty eye opening, wasn't it? I'm talking about the 1917 Spanish flu. Well, I'm going to leave it at that and sorry about that. But (laughs) uh, I would encourage you. And, And by the way, be a Berean and don't take my word for any of this. You search the Scriptures. You see if what I'm saying is true or not. Now this all begs the question of how in the world does doing an update like this get Jesus to people and people to Jesus? I'm glad you asked. You asked, right, because I'm going to answer. When people's eyes open to the lies, it can have the much needed effect of driving them away from the lie and propelling them to the truth. Scripture is replete with passage after passage in this regard, particularly in the book of Proverbs, specifically Proverbs 27, five and six. Please listen to this proverb. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. In other words, I'd rather you rebuke me openly then love me not openly. Uh, that, that's better. Uh, that reassures me that you love me enough to speak truth to me. Because we speak the truth in love because of love. I mean, the parents, come on. The, this, this is parenting, right? 101. I, I'm doing this because I love you to which the child always responds, I wish you didn't love me so much. Right? But if, if you didn't love them, you wouldn't bother. Who cares? You know, yeah, go ahead. Juggle knives on the H3. Just, I don't care. No, I love you. I love you enough to speak the truth to you in love because of love. And that's what verse six is. Wounds from a friend. Wounds. It hurts from a friend can be trusted. But conversely, an enemy multiplies kisses. In other words, if you really love me, you'll tell me the truth. If you don't tell me the truth, you don't love me, you love yourself. And you're unwilling to put our relationship and friendship in jeopardy. That means you don't love me. You don't care about me. You only care about yourself and me liking you. So. You're not going to post that because you know that I'll block you and unfriend you on social media. No, but a, a true friend. And initially they'll resent you for speaking the truth, but eventually they will thank you for speaking the truth. And conversely, and this is, this should send chills up and down every single one of our spiritual spines, if I can say it like that. Initially, they might thank you for flattering them and telling them only what they want to hear. Ah, it's good. You're good. It's all good. Enemy multiplies kisses. Tell me what I want to hear. Initially, thank you. Thank you so much but eventually they will resent you. Why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell me the truth? You mean you knew this and you didn't tell me this? It works both ways. They will resent you. They will even hate you. I, I shriek and shudder to think that anyone would ever come to me and say to me these words, why didn't you tell me? No, I told you, but that's on you. How you respond is not on me. This is the Ezekiel watchman. Your blood is not on my hands because I warned you. Now your blood would be on my hands if I didn't warn you about what's coming and speak the truth. And not hold back, and stop beating around the bush. Stop dancing around. We don't want to offend anyone. Anyway. What? So you're going to offend them into hell? I mean, you're going to flatter them into hell instead of offending them into heaven? I was talking with Dan yesterday, and he made a comment. I couldn't agree more. He said the gospel's offensive. Its very nature. I mean, my goodness, we're going to end with the gospel as we always do. But how offensive is the gospel? It's very offensive because it it says, I'm a sinner. I'm offended by that. Well, I'm going to offend you right into heaven, man, because I'd rather offend you into heaven than flatter you into hell. So i got to tell you the truth, because I love you, I care about you. I'll end the way we began and lovingly say that we live in a day that is most unforgiving, of beating around the bush to avoid the hard truth. The result is people's eyes remained closed under the banner of there being no alarm to wake them from their spiritual slumber. Paul speaks to this in Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 11. He says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Uh, interesting to note that jealousy and dissension would rise to the level of orgies and sexual immorality and debauchery. I think we're too dismissive of dissension, division, jealousy, covetousness, gossiping, rumors. Rather, verse 14, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Here's the bottom line, and I appreciate your patience with me. Please know that I take no delight in doing an update like this today. The hour has indeed come, and the night is nearly over. So and I say this in love, and the Lord knows my heart, and I'll include myself in this. I'm just as prone as anyone. Let's stop beating around the bush. Because of what's at stake. It's not just that lives are at stake, eternal lives are at stake. And this is no time to be pulling back and beating around the bush, and not ruffle any feathers. Uh, Listen, ruffle feathers, if it means keeping them out of hell and getting them into heaven. Every single one of us, I would venture to say, had our feathers ruffled when we came to Christ right? Those feathers had to be ruffled. That's what brought us to Christ. That's what the Gospel is. Again, as Dan said, it's offensive. What is the Gospel? The Gospel is you were dead in your trespasses, and you have sinned against God, and there's a penalty. It's the death penalty for that sin. But here's the good news. The Gospel. Jesus came. And he died for you. He was crucified. He was buried and he resurrected on the third day, which we're going to celebrate next Sunday. And he's coming back again one day. That's the good news. Yeah. Praise the Lord. The ABCs of salvation. Now, I need to preface this, if you don't mind, because, man, what is it about? You know, we started doing this about, what, probably four years ago now. And I mean, surprise, surprise. People got started getting saved all over the world because it's so childlike simple. I never intended for the ABC. By the way, I didn't come up with this. This somebody else, I was doing a search online. It just actually it was my wife. i got to give her the credit. She's like, you need to start sharing the gospel at the end of the prophecy updates. Yes, dear. So yeah, I want to sell all. Yeah, I want to sell it all spiritual, like yes, being the man of God that I am. And now my wife called me out on it said, you know, you're, you're doing these prophecy updates. you got to end with the gospel, the good news, because all you're doing up there is telling them the bad news. You're off for their feathers. Yeah. So anyway, she'll be here your second service. Please don't tell her I said that. <laughs> so when I first started doing the ABCs, it was just a way, a simple way, a tool to equip you. Because the number one fear that every Christian has is sharing their faith. We, we just get paralyzed in fear. You know, so God presents you the profound privilege of the opportunity of sharing Jesus with somebody and, and we're like uh, so uh, uh what do I do now uh, so Jesus is real he's really real and he's real and so we so this was just a way to be at the ready to give to every man an answer of that hope that lies within you it's not a formula and actually truth be made known it's actually simpler than A, B, C. It's actually as simple as B. It's that simple. It's childlike simple. So as I go through this, please, it's just a way to share your faith and share Jesus with somebody. And I want to draw your attention to the thief on the cross as he's (laughs) uh, called. We don't know if that was his crime, but you know, the two criminals that were being crucified next to the Savior that day, one rejects Him. One says to Him, remember Me when you enter this kingdom, your kingdom. And what is Jesus' response? Truly, truly, I say unto you, verily, verily, this day you'll be with Me in paradise. He acknowledged his sin, a, admitted that He was the Savior. this this man is innocent. He has done nothing. We're the criminals. We've sinned. And he acknowledged, admitted his need of the Savior. That's the A, Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one save one, Jesus the Christ. And here's why Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, sin is an archery term. It means you miss the mark, the bullseye, God's perfect standard of righteousness. So e- even if you hit the bullseye it only takes one time you break one of the commandments you've broken the whole law you've sinned you've transgressed and fallen short. Romans 6:23 is what I like to refer to as the sentencing phase because now you're guilty as charged and now you're going to be sentenced to death for the wages of sin is death. But And here's the good news, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So watch this. He paid for the gift. He purchased us, paid in full with His blood shed in our stead. He paid the price. And then. He offers us the gift. You know how it is when you give someone a gift? Uh, what do they do? Well, they re-gift it is what they do, but <laughs> it's, if you try to pay for it, it's not a gift, it's a purchase. No, no, it's a gift. You don't pay for it. Someone else did. Jesus did. He paid the. How much did it cost? Everything. It cost them everything. But He paid him full, and He offers you this gift. What's the gift? Eternal life. It's a gift that He paid for. Now the B, very central, is for simply, simply believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would do the ABC's of salvation, no, whosoever would get water baptized, no, whosoever would have membership in a church, no, whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's that simple. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And the C lastly is for call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, very simple, childlike simple, Romans 10:13. all who call upon the name of the Lord will, will be saved. Uh, we were traveling down memory lane, Dan and I, and uh, oh, so many memories. Um, it was a January night in 1982. We were talking about the house that uh, we were renting at the time that I got evicted from. I think it was house number 10 that I got evicted from. But uh, I got saved in that house on a cold January night in 1982. And all I did was call upon the Lord, the name of the Lord. I woke up the next morning. I was a new creation in Christ. Old things had passed away. And then my brother from another mother, (laughs) comes to Christ and uh, it's so simple. Just call upon the name of the Lord, believing in your heart, putting your trust in Him. All right. Today's But God testimony. I, you'll see why I chose it. Uh, I think a word fitly spoken. It comes from Aaron Lund who writes, Hello, JD. I found you during COVID. I was trying to find out why Christians were so obsessed with Trump. (laughs) Trump said some blasphemous stuff. So I was confused. For instance, Trump told people in a speech, you knew I was a snake and you let me in. That was that snake poem. And another interview saying he didn't have to ask for forgiveness. Who talks like that? I saw a clip of you talking about Q, this is 2020. And I had to find you. I was thinking, finally, someone that's a Christian and a pastor saw what I saw. I am a former Catholic and have been lost for probably 24 years. I've always been close to Jesus and God, but still lost, wondering where I fit in. I may not like Trump, but if it wasn't for my quest to find out why Christians liked him, I wouldn't have found you. I guess he did some good, LOL. (laughs) Okay, honestly, I know the Holy Spirit led me to you. I am born again because of your ABCs of salvation. I thank the Lord I found you and your congregation. Thank you, Jesus. My eyes are so open now. I'll always continue to watch you as long as possible until we meet in the rapture. Thank you for preaching the whole Bible. I am learning a lot. Love, Aaron. Kavono, <laughs> come on up. Why don't you uh, stand and we'll close in prayer and song? Again, thank you so much for your grace. You're very gracious to me, patient with me. And so I do thank you for that. Father in heaven, I. Again, this is tough stuff. But it's so needed because it's the truth. And so, Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit, as only You can, and are always so faithful to, will take it from here and do that needed work in all of our lives concerning this. That there would be eyes opened to the truth. Lord, thank You that it's not about right or left. It's about lost or saved and that You are our Savior. You're our Savior. And You're going to save us out of this world. You're going to take us out of this world when You rapture us out of this world. Lord, Come quickly, Maranatha, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: The fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future shows. Sure the price it has been paid for jesus bled and suffered for my Can see God bless you folks.